Welcome to The Scoop. My name is Roy Hughes. Today we are joined by Kieran O'Brien, who is running for VP of Welfare at QUBSU. He has a manifesto which focuses on World Record Sexual Health Test Day, to increase mental health support, and to fight dodgy landlords and thieves. So the first thing that I picked up was the free drug testing kits. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does that mean for sort of layman's terms? How would that be implemented? So there is genuine, uh, you'll find it more common at festivals now, there's small, like easily distributed uh, drug testing kits or weak um, services that provide very quick um, on-the-spot drug testing kits to see if what you have bought is genuinely what you think you're getting. Mm-hmm. Um, so of co- um, that increases the ability that what you're taking is safe and safe in the terms of what drugs actually are mm-hmm. you know it's not mixed with certain um, other components so you're more knowledgeable of what you're taking and if you because if you're don't, uh, don't, not sure what you're exactly taking and you're taking something of a dose that's a lot higher and not what you expect it, it obviously increases the chance of uh, mortality so it's sort of it's making it safer in relative terms yeah yeah like to understand like you know it's criminalising and demonising drugs isn't the best way to go around tackling you need to understand why like people use drugs and drugs emerge and within the reality of just going of trying to think don't do drugs that's that's not a realistic thing to say anymore you need to understand don't encourage people to do drugs but you need to understand the limitations of what you're saying and realise that in order while this is a reality and why people take drugs you need to make some sort of immediate um, step to make it safer Okay. Uh, the second thing I looked up was the Disabled Student Alliance mm-hmm. um, why do you have issues with it and its sort of current version um, I just believe, as as always, like it could, could be, Wagon. I've applied for the. I applied uh, earlier this year for the the civil lines, uh, and it was not not back for it. Um, there's two. There's two sides. Where there's the financial side, and there's an academic side. The academic side so far is quite stellar. The financial side as well. Um, in terms of what grabs you, like laptops, recorders, and stuff like that. Stuff that the uh, books, uh, pens, different forms, um, is is all well and good. But I think one of the. the Financial limitations on it means it's there's less eligibility for people. It's harder to find yourself eligible to apply mm. for it. So it's just it's it's a very difficult thing to qualify for. Yeah, it is. I think that's that's uh, largely to be down to a financial pressure. Where you can't have too many people come on, so they make it harder to apply for. Um, particularly like my like when my one was knocked back. That I had to provide. A lot of evidence, a lot of evidence that I'd provide for previous stuff to do with hardship grants and other academic um, stuff to do with my health through Queens, and they, that was they were all perfectly accepted. That uh, that ESA, well, the Education Authority who deal with it, um, have a lot stricter um, qualifications. Well, building on that, um, there is kind of you. You say here that you want to fight against the universal credit and the PIP schemes, mm-hmm. which are wholly shite to be honest mm-hmm. but is it kind of fighting a losing battle and that the tides push past it almost like it's like welfare reform came in and introduced these things mm. is it is it fighting against um is it fighting against too big of a tide at the moment uh i certainly don't think so like we can't take the the union as to be this abstract from the wider society in which we live in mm-hmm. universal credit here in the north hasn't come in immediately uh part of the the deal when Sinn Féin and the DUP handed back welfare reform was they got a mitigation pack so, so the entire the full impact of universal credit and PIPs won't come in the, the north here until 2020 um, so we haven't felt the full brunt of it yet so we are at a 
a keen advantage that we can still in the early stage before it, it comes to its most um, tragic and fatal that we can continue to fight this and I think it definitely needs to happen because a lot of kind of considered it abstract from university life like my family who rely on like being moved on the university credit and stuff that deeply impacts me in terms of how my financial obligations towards my home mm. and that can be for multiple other students as well particularly if they're cars okay um, what is BDS? BDS so BDS is Boycott Divestment and Sanctions and that's in reference to the International um, Solidar- uh, Palestine, Palestinian Solidarity Movement so it is campaigning for like a pro-Palestine stance then? it's, it's literally just um, ensuring um, that the, the union uh, at the moment is pro-BDS, so it's just ensuring that uh, that is um, uh, what's the word? Um, implemented thoroughly within the union. Oh, so it's carrying on? Yeah, well, it's carrying right, on okay. what council uh, have already um, decided upon. Okay. Um, how can you get lost admin fees back from student-letting agencies? Um, so far, we've uh, through ACORN, we were involved in the establishment of ACORN. It's uh, a very long, but it's a very easy process now, so... What we have is from uh, basically there is a email, a set of email that's drawn up that mainly it's catered up for all people. You don't have to just change your name, your address, agency, and you apply through. They're legally obliged to get back to you within fourteen days. Mm-hmm. So we've already won hundreds, hundreds, and hundreds of pounds back for students. And the main mechanism is we send, you get them to send through this letter, or we can send it through for you. And eventually they will contact you within a certain period. And normally ask you to come in um, to give you back the money. Um, in the cases where they haven't, um, that's where we have uh, went in on their behalf or scheduled protests and, say, and eventually they have um, returned the money. So there is kind of a set successful path on how to do that? 100%, yeah. And at the moment, I've, I feel it's at the moment ACORN, it's students leading it, even though we're not all students, it's students leading it and ourselves. And we have jobs and we have academic um, commitments as well and the fact that this is a job that the students union should already be doing yeah. and what it's a job that some people are getting uh, it's a role an obligation that some people are getting paid to do but they're not fulfilling and it's been left to us to fulfill it at the risk of our uh, education and social life because I know I was we were interviewing uh, Connor Vett here on he was talking about how in next is it next Friday or something he's uh, beginning the process of recovering all these lost fees uh, from letting agencies is it, is it akin to what he's doing yeah, it should be very similar. I don't know the exact details of what he's doing, but what I don't imagine what um, I can't. I don't think it'll be too much different from what we've what we've already mm-hmm. um, begun um, with an Acorn. Okay, uh, and what is the student renters group? So the student renters group is um, will be much like um, what we have as Acorn. So Acorn's a tenants um, a tenants union. It's not exclusively for students. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for the rent the student renters group, this will be um, strictly for students, but it'll be easier for them to sign up through as it'll be a within the student union ob- uh, commitment and obligation. Yeah. It's almost like an automatic sign-up. And it'll act as an organising body for students to act around um, against their landlords. It allows tenants who, mo- majority of the time, will have the same landlord. Um, people like MM Properties and Ari Lettensall who have a massive uh, stranglehold over the student housing sector. Um, it allows them to network and realise that most of their um, issues and complaints are mutual and act together on it. So it's kind of unionising against those landlords that you're saying yes. there? Yeah. Okay. Um, moving on then to privatise, or to student housing provided by Queen's. Mm-hmm. Um, you said you want to kind of reduce Hall's fees, mm-hmm. which is something that everyone wants to do, but it's very much 
queens decided. Mm-hmm. In my experience, it's mm-hmm. seen that uh, you can lobby for it and you can try and improve it, but ultimately it is queen's decision and it comes down to how they're economically affected. Mm-hmm. Do you agree? It's it certainly seems that the university like obviously they have the they have the final say and whether they lower it, but that's the whole part of a union, you know, like like we we have to influence that through your collective organising. Um, Connor and the officers this year um, have done a, a good job in lowering it for certain students by £200, mm-hmm. so that shows that it's possible. But the university need to understand um, that this is a problem connected with the private sector and why people go into the private, sec- the private sector housing where it's cheaper, uh, but they have less um, rights, I would say, or they aren't afforded the same respect that Queen's would give them. So if Queen... And Queen's can't fill all the accommodation that they're offering and that's because people can't afford it. Mm-hmm. So if if they, if they lower the, the accommodation to affordable prices, they'll end up making more money because more people will go from the private accommodation into the Queen's accommodation. But is that then not an internal Queen's decision that they've gone, okay, we've overreached here and building these different housing plans. We can't fill all of these things. Mm-hmm. To fill these, we should then scale back rather than accepting the pressure of the union, which is always there. Mm-hmm. Well, see... One of the other uh, kind of policies that I have is working to ensure that all the empty vacancies within the new kind of uh, student accommodation are filled. And at the moment, um, there's Queen's accommodation that allow non-students to come in to fill it because there's such a deficit. We should be working with um, different housing groups across the city to allow people who are in housing stress. That's like people who are here sofa surfing or, 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 um, or in overcrowded housing to be able to... Um, apply to get the people moved into these um, vacant accommodation and that is in itself they'll be making because that will be covered typically under um, welfare state welfare um, moving on then uh, you are talking about student representatives on academic panels mm-hmm. um, is that not traditionally the role of the education officer as in the VP of education um, so I, I that that specific policy in there is from a personal experience of mine this year where I had to go through an academic uh process where last year I had left the university for my own health and to look after my mum full time mm-hmm. where as when I was returned so I don't need that in the year I left um, I think I'd been in third year for maybe um, a month month and a half and then when I when I left I was assured that I would come back next year um, on without any obstacles to me and once uh, I came back Last September, there I was informed that they would the Queens would cap two of my modules at forty percent, and their explanation for that was was to do with their furnace, um, uh, po- like policy with um, furnace for their students, and they say that I had an advantage over students because of the two months where I was like for the small period that I was there, um, even though I didn't uh, attend any classes because I couldn't because of other commitments, I was trying to at that point mm-hmm. juggle over to the point I had a, a broke and I couldn't do it anymore. Um, that they said I was an unfair advantage. Uh, they said I was doing the same modules, even though I wasn't doing the same modules. And then there was a very, very long two-month period where I had to go through um, two, uh, an, appeal, an actual appeal process and then a reappeal process, in which case the university apologised and eventually ruled, ruled in my favour that um, I would be allowed to um, come back to the complete academic year on uh, unabated without any restrictions. Within that time, that's where a lot of my mental health policies I've come from because I've personally experienced that. So there was no academic, there was no SU officer sitting on the on the panel that I had to for where I was going in to explain um, my background, my mental health issues, and um, all so like my home life. 
so there was no one there that I felt comfortable. It was a boardroom of people in suits, essentially. So it felt it was oh, very so uncomfortable. Yeah, completely yeah, yeah. So there was no one there that I understood um, that would be definitely like fighting for my corner or might be able to raise the role. Very old people in suits. No offense to by calling them old. Um, or but being in suits. <laughs> in suits. Um, they were lovely suits, but also from that. Another policy comes from that is to do with the well-being and um, mental health uh, training for people and staff because I felt it very clear that the people I was explaining my home life to and mental health issues to um, both times didn't understand the symptoms of mental health. They were asking, like when I was providing um, medical uh, letters to say that I had suffered from stress and um, depression and anxiety, they were uh, wondering why it was only, they thought it was like a, a flu, you only have the symptom for like a week. They didn't understand and they, the questions they were asking were very insincere and there was people objecting, like saying like, we don't want to know about your home life, we don't know about, want to know about um, like your mother and her illness and stuff like that, that's that's not relevant, but, but that is relevant, that's yeah. re- that, that, that relies upon my current duties and what takes an impact upon my like my academic uh, career so that that's the, the M2 policies are very particularly um, personally important to me and that they come from my personal experiences I think fair enough they sound like very important um, events in someone's life you shouldn't really be objectively being like I don't know if it was that important so yeah clearly you put a lot of importance on um, well-being training and you want uh, various different parts of Queen's uh, to go through these kind mm-hmm. of training is there anywhere in particular that you would want it to be seen to be rolled out what do you mean in certain... Uh, so uh, you were talking about having different rep- representatives of the QBS you going through well venture and was yep. it um, uh, officers and bar staff and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, mainly those so those who have been decided. Um, so academic panels like that are all, they're all hot, ad hoc and they're kind of... There's no one who set, set on them all the time so it's kind of brought up so that, that will need to be rolled out across a lot of a- academic staff but those, particularly those who are going to be set on those panels for how many days they're, they're told to sit on them mm-hmm. and get paid to sit on them that um, that they should definitely have received the training beforehand and knowledge about how mental health affects people and what are the symptoms and how they could come about Is there a particular manner in which you would sort of roll out the well-being training in that like like you know like one week at the start of the semester you would give a certain amount of training to one department or anything like that have you Sort of planned it out or any, in any way? Um, at the moment, like I've, I've done through like wellbeing program, uh, programs myself to, um, to do with uh, mental health and medicine and stuff, and they're quite fun like programs. So I would like to see the, like the university itself, um, particularly with this new campaign of Omni, it will fall directly under that, and their commitment to supporting this, um, that they will recognise the massive important importance and when they have. Uh, as like I imagine any every school does has staff training days that this will be incorporated into their staff training days okay um, looking at the week long break period is that going to be post deadlines I'm assuming yeah post deadlines yes and have you spoke to Queen's about it yet uh, no my interactions with Queen's at the moment have been um, not not great this year from the from the academic process and like now to the disciplinary processes um Well, I know I just wanted to ask because there is a whole load of objections and issues with the restructuring of the academic year Mm -hmm. and kind of introducing more uh, breaks or changes to that. They might be greatly against it. Mm -hmm. I was wondering, had you sort of done any kind of feasibility? Uh, Not entirely yet. I know last year, officers who chatted to, they wanted um, week breaks in between each and every assignment. So I kind of seen it more as a, a more 
viable idea to have a week between all collective assignments. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, again, particularly like as I say with the, the manifesto, like uh, the mental health and those sort of ties into a lot of us, they all kind of tend to tie into each other. I think that's part of if the uni's going to uh, has brought its commitment to Omni to improve the benefit of uh, students' mental health, we need to recognise that the stress that students are put under to frantically um, move from assignment to assignment mm-hmm. can contributes to ill mental health. Uh, how about the social supermarket? Yeah, so I was um, the idea behind that is that it's, it, we want to run it on a, a non-profit sort of thing. Now I know, understand like the shop in itself. Um, they, it's a lot cheaper, mm-hmm. but we want to run it in the fix that the bar essentials, um, not luxuries, but the bar essentials are given to students at a very massively reduced price to the point that we're not making money off it, we're making it in the sense that the cost that we get in it is the cost we use to buy it, so we're literally just, we're focusing on distribution, not um, profit. Will you be allowed to campaign for that though, if it's going to be a direct competitor with the non-profit shop downstairs? Um, I, like, I wouldn't like to see it with, with the shop downstairs, I want to see it in competition. I just like to see it focus on that we're providing the service to the students. Um, it, it will literally only be the, the, the per essentials. Like, um, I haven't taken a stock check within the shop to see what a competitor in the end. I'm not too sure. I, don't, like, well, I can understand whether they wouldn't be happy with that. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, like my focus is, is on the welfare of the students. It's about distributing these things. And I think the students would jump at it. Like People who go to the shop would be buying they go to the shop anyway it's just it's about giving out the personals milk, eggs you know, bread, butter mm-hmm. and the the, the, pr- the price that we buy it in bulk so it'll be massively reduced hopefully The STA campaign day is yeah. uh, one of the pillars of your manifesto it's yeah. up on every single poster you mm-hmm. have um, can you understand why people are calling it a uh, publicity stunt? Um, I can understand now we picked that uh, we included it as it's a fun and attractive um manifesto point to people like you know, understand that like putting up too many very sophisticated um, manifesto points isn't always attractive to people who aren't engaged in the uni mm-hmm. so this is a very f- kind of fun one that people go oh well, what's that about and the idea of breaking more records is fun and mm-hmm. it's like to the, the regular student who isn't politically engaged in student politics or you know that doesn't really engage with student junior like making it like saying about want to help break a world record you know is more enticing than you know trying to give a, a full speed about um, rolling out a new mental health campaign Is there a plan of implementation to come after it though? Like is there awareness to be rolled out about SCIs after the day? Yeah so, certainly we'll, def- we'll be working on uh, new measures afterwards like I would like to see that the job uh, in sexual health clinic is run on more than one day and for better hours um but I think the biggest thing around is I always find it, is the initial is breaking the initial stigma around a sexual health test. What people think happens at a sexual health test is what tends to put them off mm-hmm. in terms of they think it's going to be painful or like degrading. Um, I think once they overcome that, that that's half the battle. Um, and providing those services more is the other half. Okay, and the final thing I wanted to ask you about was who is Angela and why are we asking for? Her? Uh, so as for Angela's campaign is, uh, I'm not too sure the campaign or- originated from and what city. However, it is a campaign to do with, say, in bars um, around, based around consent and harassment. So if you feel under threat within a bar, the bar staff, uh, bouncers and DJs are all aware that if, like, you can you can say in a not, a not, a not very obvious way, um, if you feel under threat that you're, that you are under threat. So you, the idea is that you go to the bar staff um, or people you feel 
the security people and you say, um, uh, is Angela in or is Angela working? Mm-hmm. And they notify us at that point that you are under threat, either sexually or physically. That's, 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 that's an instrument. It's not something I've heard of, that's why I was... Yeah, it's, it's a Friday game. I like, uh, um, I... Thought, I was surprised I hadn't been rolled out before with the university when, especially when they were on the Consentus Bay workshops and stuff yeah. like that. I thought it was there. But it's a particularly, like, it's one that I don't want to. It's it's a campaign that I think it needs to be it, It's brilliant because it rolls out in the bars. And obviously, like, um, bars, particularly bars like the Hatfield, aren't just bars, they're institutions, they're, they're social hubs for a lot of students. Mm-hmm. And run it, run it, it's, it's going to these places, not asking students to come to us, us going to the students where they would associate and we can, like, they hopefully be better engaged in these campaigns. The final thing that I wanted to ask was was about the Hatfield is the the rumor mill is going around that you have the unofficial backing of the Hatfield. Oh, we're a, we're a big family in there, so I would I would I would say so. I've worked there for almost a year now, so we're all a big family in there. <laughs> um, do you think is there any sort of issues or difficulties that comes with being backed by the Hatfield? Is it it, it rightly or wrongly has a reputation of being a very popular student bar mm-hmm. and like it or lump it. it it has those students and it is loud and noisy and it, it, it does very well in what it is. Yeah, well, I, I, the words floated around the office when certain people are saying that, that I'm not actually too sure what they mean, but they say it's a, it's a problematic bar. And the people that I would say that's absolute nonsense. And again, like, you know, to stigmatize a bar like that where they have so many students. Now, if you look at, like, we always talk about, you know, the turnout. Um, and for, turn out for student elections and student engagement, we likely only get around 4,000 just over, and when there's, what, 24,000 students, mm-hmm. half of you get at least 4,000 students coming in and out of their, their doors on Tuesday. Like, so this is obviously, like, I, I think it's completely wrong to stigmatise um, the bar's problematic because in the sense you will know that the students will there will feel st- stigmatised because of that mm-hmm. because in the half field and working there for me people just don't see it as the bar and it's a, a like it's it's much more than a bar it's it's a it's a social hub it's an institution like all around the space and we need to engage with it. To find out more information about the QUB SU election coverage or to listen in to our interviews with the running candidates, follow at QR the Scoop on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Thank you for listening.